You are in the trenches of life. You are faced with pressure every day. Family, work, community, all demanding a piece of life. Fatherhood is war, but you continually battle for your soul and the souls in your family. It can feel isolating and exhausting, but there is good news. You have a heavenly father. Because of Jesus, you can be strong, courageous. You can be an intentional father, living with purpose. This is what you are meant for. You will make an impact. You are not alone. Welcome to Dad in the Trenches, a resource for biblical truth, challenge, and encouragement for Christian dads in the trenches of life. Hello there, and welcome to Dad in the Trenches. For those of you that may be new for the first time, my name is Aaron, and I am glad that you are tuning in. One of the things that I do here is interview other dads in the trenches, those that have gone before us, those that are in the thick of it. Uh, we all have different perspectives and unique experiences in this fatherhood journey, and so I bring them to the table for equipping, challenging, encouragement. And so I am glad that you're here. Hope that you find some value in that and enjoy today's guest. A couple of quick announcements before we dive in today. Um, just like last podcast, there are two notes that I want to leave you with. Uh, one is if you haven't gone over to the Dad in the Trenches website, that's www.dadinthetrenches.com, uh, click on the Dad Survey tab. I would appreciate if you would take 10 minutes out of your day and fill out that Dad Survey. I'm going to be finishing up compiling all that information, releasing some of that info later this year, just um, a snapshot of Christian Dads in the Trenches uh, would love to have your info in all the statistical analysis that's going in behind all that. So sounds a little nerdy, but uh, the more info, the better. So please, if you would and haven't done so, uh, flip over there uh, and fill that out for me. Second thing as well, last podcast, uh, you all had me talking. And this was a little bit of an update on what all has gone on in life uh, with me since job loss uh, earlier this year. But some of the things I'm involved in presented you with the core process um, as well as inhibition and prohibition tool uh, that I use for mindset and leadership development uh, with, with folks. And uh, you can flip over to a website called uh, leadershift21.com. That will take you to the page that has some information for both individuals, teams, and businesses. And um, if you at all are interested in any sort of leadership coaching, something that you've thought of, didn't know where to start, uh, I'm going to be starting in January looking at doing a coaching program. I think it'll be six months or 12 months. Uh, there'll be an offering for that. And just you being a dad in the trenches listener, I will extend a discount. So flip over again, uh, go to leadershift, S-H-I-F-T, 21, that's 21.com. And from there, scroll down to the individuals uh, section where you can see info for coaching and groups. And um, you can click on the contact us there. Or also can just schedule a quick one-on-one -on -one if you want to know a little bit more about it, talk through that. So those links are there for you. Again, www.leadershift21.com. If you're on our social for Instagram, that's also in the link tree that's linked in the bio. So you have that available to you as well. Okay, enough for announcements. Today's guest is, this was an incredible conversation. 
uh, really we're asking the question in, in much of the sense, what does it mean to be wholehearted? And are we really committed to becoming the kind of people that we want our children to become one day? Uh, weighty question, uh, weighty subject, but this is about becoming. It's about becoming good soil, becoming a son, becoming a king. So I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. We're going to flip over. Thanks so much for joining me here today on Dad in the Trenches. So welcome back to Dad in the Trenches. My guest today is Morgan Snyder. Morgan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Aaron, it's great to connect with you before the show. And as we talked about, just even when I first came across your podcast and saw the name of it, it was like, <laughs> yes, instant resonance, instant <laughs> empathy, instant suffering stories, and instant <laughs> So it's really an honor to be with you. That's great. That's great. Well, I want to hear some of those stories for sure. Our yeah, listeners do. They're as current as 30 minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> That's great. Um, just to dive in a little bit, you know, let's just tell us, tell our listeners what you do presently, your season of life, family dynamics, that sort of thing. Yep. I just sent off a 16-year-old son and a 13-year-old daughter this morning in uh, uh, my son Joshua's vehicle to their first day of school. All right. So we spent 11 years driving our kids to school, and today was day one uh, of seeing these teenagers, these little baby <laughs> adults. I drive away from our house and my wife and I stood in the driveway just going, what just happened? <laughs> like everything changed. We're empty nesters, at least for a couple hours. You right. know? <laughs> so I'm married to uh, an amazing woman, Sherry, for 20 years and uh, two kids and been in this mission and message for over 22 years. I think, Aaron, probably the most helpful and and true way to get into the story would be to say, I've always been passionate. I've always been intense and a life seeker and didn't grow up in a home where God was the center. And, uh, and I chased a lot of things to try to fill that ache for life and love and, and answer my question as a boy. Yeah. And it was a mess. Uh, but I had a radical conversion to God and, coming in trust and confidence in God in my college years. Okay. But what I found, Aaron, was that it didn't heal the boy. Mm. And what I found was I was a growing man in a biological sense, but I was a boy on the inside. And I just kept bumping up against this dissonance between my internal landscape and the external realities of my life. A lot of it kind of began to blow up with young kids, young marriage, young career, where on the outside, I was loving God and, and, and working hard, fighting for people's hearts. But on the inside, there was fear. There was a sense of being behind, a sense of just drivenness, of trying to find love by coming through. Hmm. And so the fast forward kind of cliff notes, so my story was beginning to ask questions. It replaced the exclamation parts, points with question marks mm -hmm. and start turning to older wise guides and start asking the questions, where does, where does a man find life? Mm -hmm. What does it look like to become wholehearted? What did God mean when he meant masculinity? Where do you learn to become a good father, mm -hmm. to become a loving husband? How do you care for hearts well, not bringing my question, mm 
of do I have what it takes, but bringing my strength. What's the most important thing? And so it was a journey of two decades of excavating over building, of choosing the lowest seat at the table, of, of choosing the process of slow and steady to recover this ancient path that was being lost and being recovered and to try to find a path where a man can become wholehearted and become the kind of dad, the, be kind, the kind of husband, the kind of man in whom God is glad to entrust the care, the stewardship of his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And so that's been the story of my role within Wild at Heart and my work with Become Good Soil and then eventually releasing Becoming a King as a book yeah. and a video and study guide that's intended to help share the treasures that I recovered over the last 20 years. That's fantastic. I love the parable of the soils is one of my favorites of all of Jesus and uh, how it's played out in my own life in certain ways. So I'm excited to talk about that. We'll, we'll get to that here in just a yeah, bit too. Okay. Um, you know, talk just a little bit more about, you know, cause we're, we're talking to dads and, and, you know, your own fatherhood in the trenches story, you know, tell us a couple of things maybe from 30 minutes ago or from anything that uh, you'd want to share with us just about how it's been balancing work life with the Lord, uh, some difficult things maybe you had to overcome, uh, those kind of things with your fatherhood story. Yeah, it is a beautiful disaster. (laughs) It It is a holy disaster. It's a train wreck. It's a train wreck, and I couldn't be happier. (laughs) Okay. Honestly, honestly, it's like, Aaron, it's really good to talk with you today, day one, for my kid's school. Right. (laughs) It's like there are these moments where it comes into focus, right? Where, for example, we just got led. I have this prayer called the Daybreak Prayer uh, that we developed. It, It began by praying with our kids when they were three, four years old, of putting on the armor of God. Hmm. And it turned into this. kind of a a doxology, a a prayer of agreeing with big beliefs. God, you know, that that I I choose to live in the present moment. I ask for a wise and discerning heart. I unite my heart with your heart. Um, I invite you to father me and mother me today, God. We tried to take our most fundamental beliefs of how Sherry and I were recovering the gospel of a view of reality that aligns with God and his kingdom. And how do we make this available to our kids? And so we would pray that prayer on the drive to school every day. And most of the time, you know, the kids are totally checked out, right? They don't, they're, they're, they're just going through the motions. Right. You know, you're depositing it in that. You know that it's being planted like seed Yes. in good soil for the day that they need it. And so this daybreak prayer became our daily prayer as a family for kids at every age where we consecrate our day, we announce the authority of Christ over our kingdom, and then we kind of go through those pieces. And it, it grew over the years. Okay. And then we finish by listening. We just say, God, what do you want to say? What do we need to hear? What else do we need to pray? And today... For the first time, we're not leading our kids in that prayer. But Joshua said, Dad, I'll make sure we pray the daybreak prayer on the way to school. Oh, and so like, good. our kids are doing it now, right? <laughs> and so like, it's an example where we are winging it. Right. Like we are, it's wet clay. It's, we're building the car while it's driving down the road. We are being initiated 
while our children are being initiated. But Sherry and I are consenting to become the kind of people that we want our children to become. Mm -hmm. That's the mission. We need to become what we want them to become. Mm -hmm. And so to have a day like this, to have a moment where you go, I'm unfinished. I have so much that I need to work on. I have a list of things I still need to apologize to (laughs) my kids that are so fresh. Right. And yet what they see as a dad choosing to become, what they see as a dad doing the work, and it's bearing fruit, and they want to become like us. Mm. So it's really hopeful. That's really good. That's encouraging, too. We... My oldest is 12 all the way down to six. And so we have four and in the morning um, we do a rug time together. It's kids and me. We have a memory verse, you know, we kind of go over what's going to happen for the day, some of that kind of stuff. And it's always like, you know, we'll read a passage or two. I might read a chapter. We just kind of see what the Lord's doing. Um, And it really, I'm like, are these kids even awake? Yes. Are they even dialed in? So It's encouraging for dad in the trenches to hear from another dad in the trenches that's further along. Like my 16 year old is doing the thing now. So that's good because there's days there's plenty of doubt, right? <laughs> right. You roll the dice. And I had one mentor say, um, if you want to know how you're doing as a parent, you can begin to ask that question gently when your kids turn 40 years old. Oh. <laughs> It's so disarming, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, okay, I'm not going to read the landscape every day. Like, I'll, I'll be curious and get the data, yeah. but they're not my report card. Right. And that's the biggest piece is when we become wholehearted, mm. then we actually take back the report card. And our kids are no longer responsible for our happiness. Mm. We do it for love rather than doing it out of need for them to validate us mm-hmm. as parents, as fathers, as mothers. And so it's messy, but it's the, it's the right material mm. to become everything that God meant when he yeah. meant us. Because there's nowhere to hide, right? You can't yeah. fake it at home. Not for long. <laughs> Not by the time they're teenagers. Yeah, that's so good. I want to talk some about your new book that you came out with, uh, Becoming a King. And um, this is subtitled The Path to Restoring the Heart of a Man. And um, I told you this before we, we jumped on, but uh, for those that are familiar with the website, I've got a resources section of lots of different books by categories. And then I have kind of my top five favorites. This book is supplanting one that's on my top five because I absolutely love it. Um, God met me right where I needed it in this as well. But truly, this is... There's several books that I'm going to gift to my sons Mm. along their journey uh, as they grow. And this is one of those books. And this is one of those landmark books that I'm going to recommend to guys simply because it outlines um, really what God has in our hearts and what he's deposited in us. And it's, it's a process to get to really the destiny he's calling us into. Right. Yes. And so talk to us a little bit um, about uh, the just the term king and why this is important in what we're becoming. Yeah, there's a lot in the vernacular that's really important because we all have a kingdom. Every human being, every man, every woman is entrusted with a kingdom. It's really 
gospel-centered language. Yeah. Here's why is that we all have a realm where we have say, where what we want done is done. You know, it begins with our body and our mind mm-hmm. and our will. And we decided what we ate for breakfast today, or if we didn't eat breakfast, right? What we chose to wear today. I love the pine cones behind you (laughs) in your office there. I'm very intrigued about what's on those shelves. It's something about you that I think we may have in common, right? right? There's distinctions. We have a realm. My son was given um, a cell phone when he, uh, about 13, he was one of the last kids in his group to get one. And I remember Aaron having two feelings um, in this kind of initiation ceremony we did when he was handed to it. One was sorrow. I was sad and I had to unpack it later. Why am I sad? And I realized I'm sad because his kingdom is expanding beyond Mm -hmm. my kingdom. He will have great power with that phone, right? Albert Einstein said, uh, technology is like a razor blade in the hand of a three-year-old. Oh, man. (laughs) I would love to say to Steve Jobs, do you know what you unleashed with the iPad? Amazing things have been done with with this technological vice. And horrific damage has been caused. And both are true. And so I was sad, Aaron, because I knew my son's kingdom was expanding beyond that which I could control. Mm -hmm. And I also was hopeful because he was on time. He was in a very different place at 13 than I was at 13. Mm -hmm. He gets to stand on my shoulders. And I knew it was right. It was on time in his initiation. He understood that it was power and it was responsibility. He was given permission to screw up and make mistakes and say, you know, we said, son, this is the best place for you to fail is under our roof because you're going to spend your whole life failing and it's the greatest teacher. And we want you to do it here so that you can also learn how to grow and mature and become happy and well through failure and success. But I want you to learn here. And so you're ready for this. And so we all have a kingdom. It includes people and things entrusted to our care. And that is the first assignment, the first task we are ever given in creation, where God says, let us make them, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, make them in our image and nature, male and female, he created us. And then he gives us the keys to the kingdom. And he says, take it for a spin. Like, it's madness how much authority we're given, how much rain to create and destroy and take barley, wheat, and hops and see what we can cook up, you know? Like, it's amazing. It's great power. And the story, if you look at Google and you look at the news from today and look at the top 10 stories, or any day. It's fascinating how many of them are stories of men mishandling power. Yeah. And so we were meant to be stewards of a kingdom, every human being in very specific ways. And how we mishandle it says a lot about where we need to encounter God and take our journey of initiation and maturing. And so this question of how is your kingdom Mm-hmm. How are the people and the things entrusted to your care? Yeah. It's a very important 
often painful and very hopeful question to mm. take to God. Yeah. You, um, you talk, one of the chapters is just about becoming a son, uh, which I really enjoyed. And, and you touched on really this, this aspect of we all are wounded people in some capacity, but with every wound comes a lie, with every lie in agreement, with every agreement of vow. You know, talk to us a little bit just about the lies and agreements and vows you maybe had to dismantle even in this process of becoming a king. And, and even furthermore, what are some of the, if we're not even aware, yeah. right, awareness of those things, what, what are some questions that maybe can help, help us begin that excavation process? Mm -hmm. You know, Dallas Willard said, actions reveal beliefs 100% of the time. <laughs> that is very informative. Right. <laughs> because we have our creedal statements, right? We have our theology and our doctrine. Most people listening to this are thirsty people. They're learners. They're curious. And they have their statements of belief. And what I would suggest is throw those out <laughs> and look at your actions. Look at your actions in the last hour, in the last day, in the last month, in the last year. They say a lot about what we believe. Look at the knee-jerk reaction when your wife says the car broke down, right? When she says there's water in the basement, can you come home, right? Or, hey, I didn't tell you, I invited the in-laws to come and stay with us. <laughs> You're laughing, Aaron. It sounds like you wouldn't want your wife to say that. Uh, I, I think all those things could hit, hit home in different ways. <laughs> okay. And so that's what's so important. Yeah. Note the reaction. Not the calculated response. Yeah. Notice the knee-jerk reaction right? The water heater, it's leaking and just go, dang, like one more thing. I don't have time for it. Mm. I don't have money for it. Nothing ever works out. Why is it always one darn thing after another, right? right. It, fundamentally, I'm on my own. Mm. Life is up to me. Mm -hmm. I need to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I'm behind. Those are all statements, vows that would flow out of my wound in very specific ways. And frankly, through most men in very general ways that come fundamentally out of a condition of fatherlessness. Hmm. And it's where we find ourselves in a broken, fallen world east of Eden, but it's not where we were from. Hmm. Our desire to be loved, to be celebrated, to be powerful, reminds us of where we came from, that mm -hmm. we're not autonomous beings. We were made for relationship, in relationship. We were born out of a heroic fellowship at its epicenter that had a father and a son. We're not autonomous beings. We're not made to be independent. And so what I would suggest to men and women is be curious about our knee-jerk reactions look at our actions and allow it to be an inventory about what we really believe about where we find life and how we make it work, how we make it last and what we often find are conditions of fatherlessness and God will raise the condition 
so that we can partner with him and participate with him to heal Mm -hmm. those those orphaned places to heal those places of slavery and come home to a father that's generous to a father that's initiating our story and inviting us to respond that's so good that's so good you also touched on um to kind of dovetail in with that as you talk about identity not only as sons but really kind of this this idea of damage that's been done by, I don't know, sin management, gospel of sin management, and we're just sinners saved by grace versus actually we're sons, and that ultimately is our identity first. Yes. Talk to us a little bit more about that just in in continuation of that thought. Yeah, it's huge because so much of it flows from identity. What we come to believe about who we are, about who God is and about the nature of our story defines everything. Mm -hmm. And we either live from identity or we live for it. In other words, we either know who we are and live out of that place or out of not knowing who we are, we're constantly using our power to answer our unanswered question, right? That's the story of most men of most leaders, most churches, most governments, most businesses. They're uninitiated men Mm. wielding power to answer their question, Mm. to prove to themselves that they're loved, that they have what it takes. And so the brilliance of the gospel is we come, if we come to know who we are because God says this is who we are, when we come to have a steady knowing that we are God's son, that we are true in our core, that we are lovable, that we are powerful, um, that we have an intention written in the fabric of our lives, we can live out of that and come unhinged from circumstances or outcomes being the verdict on who we are. And so it's a simple thing like the sinner saved by grace. It's simply diabolical. It's simply untrue. That's not true. Paul doesn't relate to like-hearted communities that way. He says, brothers and sisters, saints in Ephesus, he calls Mm -hmm. them out. The saints in Corinth, the saints in Philippi, he names them just like Wallace names the sons of Scotland, right? He calls them out. (laughs) He says, you're not peasants. You're the sons of Scotland. You're free men. Like, what will you do without freedom? And he evokes identity, calls out what is true. And so when we know who we are, we can live the impossible possible. But when you're a sinner saved by grace, you never live beyond your identity. Hmm. You will always, in the long run, be a sinner your struggle will be the thing that most defines you. And this is so important because I'm not minimizing sin at all. The gospel of sin management is actually the gospel that minimizes sin because it acts like it's something that can be systematically overcome Mm. through behavior and activity. But the true gospel is one of wholehearted restoration where we know we are saints. We are image bearers of the living God, the most important thing we can ever know about a human being is that they bear the image of God. Every race, every socioeconomic group, every nation, we bear the image of God. There's dignity 
at our core. And so, yes, someone is deeply and profusely addicted to pornography. My question is, son, let's talk about that. What's the reach? Why are you reaching for comfort, for nourishment? Why are you reaching for something to make you feel good, to make you feel alive, to make you feel love, to make you feel not alone, mm-hmm. right? The Scottish proverb says, you talk often of my drinking, but little of my thirst. Mm. It's never pornography. That's only a symptom. Below the porn is a heart that's aching and looking for love, looking for adventure, looking for validation, looking for nurture, looking for nourishment. It's looking for God. Hmm. And it's only our good heart that can allow us to be restored into God and God's kingdom. Identity is everything. Hmm. So good. talk some just about um the false self and maybe you could unpack that a little bit more for us as well just the process we have to go through in restoring the true self very much what we're talking about here yeah so um that's a great question let me flip it back to you Uh because i can tell aaron like you're a student you're a learner you love god (laughs) tell me a moment where you felt exposed Big or small, recent or old, a moment you felt knocked off your center. Yeah. Well, in the spirit of dad in the trenches, I think, you know, being at the dinner table and having done something or not done something and getting called out for it, say, by my wife in front of the kids. Right. That's a very exposing moment. Totally. Are you going to puff up your chest and deny and like get enraged deflect blame what are you going to do like there's been some of those moments for certain (laughs) i love it i've been there i was there last night (laughs) my my 13 year old calls me out like nobody's business i think he's going to be a marriage counselor (laughs) so intuitive yeah you just said right that there's a reaction There's a man in you that wants to puff up, rage, defend, deflect, right? That's the false self. That's the poser. That's the fig leaf. Mm -hmm. It's the man who is self-protecting to try to arrange for a life apart from God, Mm. right? We we have learned, we have cultivated with great maturity a, a persona that gives us a false sense of security where we don't have to risk and we don't have to um, find our safety in our life in God. And he's very real, right? He causes us to do what we don't want to do and don't do what we want to do, right? Those aren't my words. Those are Paul's words. (laughs) And it's been 14 years becoming a student of his false self. And so we all have a fig leaf, a place where we hide, Mm. right? 
And it's a civil war because there's another man within us that's risking, that's becoming aware of the false. And then over time, in very particular ways, dismantling the false and strengthening the true. And so I want to go back to the dinner table. (laughs) Kids call you out. And that man is evident, right? right? And he happens all the time. He's in you. He's in me. I want to talk about the other man. And this isn't the place for false humility. Yeah. This is the place for celebration. Tell me about that kind of story in your family with the true man. Well, using that same example, you know, in the moments, the, the instance that's coming to mind anyways is, yes, busted. That's true. Yes. Probably part of my story would probably, it would revolve around apathy more than anything. So in the moment, like, calling it right yep it's true you are so right owning it that is so me yeah this happened i apologize i'm sorry i totally could have handled this in this way right and then you know being responsive of okay family here's what i'm going to do moving forward about this Mm -hmm. so that they get a sense of dad's not just tucking his tail between his legs, but he actually is going to be a man of action for something. Yes. He's going to have a, a plan and a pace and a correction needs to happen. And so that they can see, they can see the, the humility one, but also the action that's required for a man, a father, a husband, right? Yeah, it's so good. And it's just a perfect example of what it takes. You know, you're supposed to be the leader, the strong one, the guy that has the answers. And for you to say family, you're right. Mm-hmm. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? Mm-hmm. Like, those are some of the most powerful words a dad can ever speak mm-hmm. from his heart to his family. And even going deeper, I actually would like to know what it's like for you when I puff up, when I defend myself, right? Yeah. I want to be curious, not, not to defend <laughs> yourself about defending yourself. No, no, that's fine. Here. This is great. I hardly ever get questions back to me. So, <laughs> Oh, it's, but this, this is, is good. This is this it, is right? Time. If it's not yeah. practical, if it's not in the, tr- in, in the trenches, if it's totally. not, if it's, yes. if it doesn't have stick, right? It has yes. to stick to our everyday life. Yeah. And so like the next step is like, tell, tell me your oldest kid's name. Uh, oldest would be Michael. Michael. And how old is he? 12, you said? He's 12, yeah. Okay. So honestly, to sit with Michael and say, Michael, dad does this. I confess. It's a pattern. I want to know what it's like for you. Yeah. What's what's the impact? Help me know you. Yeah. So uh, in the past, when I would have deflected or defended or taken a different way or blown my top or whatever, you know, the thing that happens there is the guilt, the weight, the shame, the doubting, the hiding. And so to now be on a different side of that, having had more restoration, uh, having awareness of those tendencies and those things that now get subverted because Jesus is carving out a new pathway in our family through me. Exactly. It's, it's um, those moments feel, you feel incredibly vulnerable. They feel incredibly well. He could take this however he wants. He doesn't have to receive it, you know. So, 
he, he could try and squash me like I've squashed him in the past. Yes. You know, he now has power <laughs> yes. to receive or not. And yeah. so that's an incredibly humbling and vulnerable place. Yes. But uh, in the instances when he does receive it and when he does say, it's okay, dad, I love you, you know, and he's, he's very affectionate. And so I get the biggest hugs from him. Like he's like Labrador doesn't realize how big he is kind of mm-hmm. wagging his tail, you know, yes. when he, when he, when he hugs, it's like, okay, you're going to squish my guts out. But you know, it. it's like those moments of, of restoration and those moments of, um, you feel his love in your love in that vulnerability. It's a, it's a beautiful thing for sure. Yes. And it's like, okay, this is good. I need to continue walking down this road when these things happen because the results are beautiful. Aaron, well done. Oh. <laughs> I just want to celebrate. That's yeah. it. That's the rubber meets the road. Yeah. The message to Michael is my dad has ears to hear. Mm-hmm. Message is my dad is actually safe for my soul. Yeah. The message is my dad has someone or something stronger than him at work mm-hmm. on his behalf. The message is I want to bring my stuff to my dad, even when I don't, I'm confused, I'm scared, yeah. I, I don't know what to say. Yeah. My dad's my dad's where I want to go to. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. And and like that's the frontier. That's the edge. And so you're demonstrating the true self, that posture of forgiveness. And at 12, what's so beautiful is you can start saying, I actually need your eyes on my life. I welcome you to give me feedback. Hmm. I I want to see from your perspective. I trust you. You know, and we reflect back to him like, you're a Labrador. You have no idea how strong you are. And I love your strength. I love your strength. Every time he sees a Labrador, he'll be like, that's what my dad thinks of me, right? That's what my father thinks of me. It's beautiful. And and so uh, that's the path to be in the dailies to say, where is my false self manifesting? Yeah. What is my impact on other people to get really honest Mm-hmm. about that question and, and seek honest feedback. You know, in the study guide for becoming a king, I try to walk a man through that process to get some honest visibility. Mm-hmm. What is my false self? What is its nature? What is its tendencies? How do I become a student of it? Mm-hmm. So that I can bless that guy and say, you're no longer helpful to me anymore. Yeah. I release you from service. And I dismantle as I begin to disentangle the false from the true and say, this is my true self. And I begin to practice, to restore, to strengthen, to invite the life of God to mature the Mm -hmm. true man in me. And you provide a safe place for your kids because they see you doing the work and they see your maturing and you live out a gospel that actually bears fruit. Yeah. So good. Thank you for that, Morgan. Um, I do want you to touch on, um, like we, we talked about earlier, just the passage in Matthew about becoming good soil. And um, you talk about really five habits for the soul of man to thrive. And I don't want you to give them all away because, guys, I'm serious. You need to, if, you've, if you're looking for books for your masculine journey and restoration with God, you need to go pick this up. So maybe, Morgan, just give us a couple of them and unpack those for us. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. It's uh... <laughs> 
you're asking for a response of 20 years. I know. You're feeling <laughs> right? And so um, it would do an injustice to pack it all in here. Yeah. But, you know, just following the spirit and listening, one of the pieces I'd offer that ties the good soil to some of those ancient stones is I think that parable from Christ is masterful. And I think that there are many ways to read it, all of which can, can bring fruit. But one of them that I suggest is I believe that the four soils represent four different conditions that exist at any time in the soul of every human being. Mm. And so I think what's really helpful about that is it's not like, oh, this person is, is, is a cluttered soil and this person is good soil. I, right. I really don't think that's it. It's oversimplified. I think they're nuances. We're dynamic. We are meant to be constantly maturing, constantly apprenticed, right? C.S. Lewis said that heaven is meant to be the consummation of our earthly apprenticeship, right? Someday we will be unfinished and it's not soon. It, it's not yet, at least for me. But if we look at those conditions, I think they're very informative because the, the hard packed path where the water comes and runs off like concrete. You know, I live in suburgatory. And when I run, I watch these sprinklers just watering concrete, right? <laughs> All these sprinklers. And I look at it, and I'm just like, we live in semi-desert. We're in Colorado. What the heck are we doing watering concrete? <laughs> but like Jesus said, yep, that concrete's kind of like parts of your heart. Mm. And I just go, dang, right? Because the hardened path, is is something like cynicism mm -hmm. where we're shut down you know i'm 22 years into the story of fighting for the hearts of men and women and i can be prone towards cynicism because it's a false safe place to deal with the pain and the trauma and all the people that get taken out right we can be hard-hearted and mm -hmm. see just they get washed away quickly. The birds snatch them up. And then there's the shallow soil where genuine things happen, right? You read a book and go, that was amazing. You read a blog, you listen to a podcast, and then whoosh, it's gone. Like one moment, one hard situation, and the roots cannot take because it's shallow. Yeah. The worries of this world, the deceitfulness of wealth, the scriptures say, just take it away. And then there's the cluttered soil where good things are happening. Right? Our life in God is real, but we, we pursue a God and gospel. It's God and financial security. God and uh, you know, career competency. God and kids that are thriving and doing well. Hmm. We have a God and gospel where we try to bolt on our faith rather than know our gospel begins with God and ends with God and is rooted in God and his kingdom. It's all about God and not about us. He's the hero of our story and we belong to him. And when we don't have that gospel, other things begin to grow. And we, uh, I, one mentor said it this way, that they take up valuable resources hmm. and they produce no fruit. And so when you're sitting around binging on becoming a Tiger King, you know, like and binging <laughs> on Netflix, like it's potato chips, right. right? Like I haven't watched Tiger King. But a lot of people have, yeah. and I hear the stories, and I'm tempted to hit that button when I need something to feel good. 
right? For me, it's potato chips and really cheap beer. Like it's a, it's just a comforter. It's something that guarantees I can feel good. And it doesn't produce fruit. It doesn't last. Mm -hmm. But boy, it's enticing because it's guaranteed. It's a less wild lover. And so the cluttered soil saps up that need for God. You know, during the book launch, it was intense and it totally lined up with COVID. I probably did 50 podcasts and radio and trying to be an engaged dad in the trenches. And it was costly, Aaron. And I just gave myself to potato chips and cheap beer as my little happy places. And in and of themselves, they're not a bad thing, but I was giving my heart to it instead of the living God. And so there's the cluttered soil. And then there's the good soil. It's the parts of us that are rich and robust. It takes a lot of crap to make good soil, right? <laughs> Proverbs 14, four, that's, that's my translation, but I think Jesus would really enjoy it. It's a little <laughs> bit more equitive, right? It's the oxen are present. The manger yes. is not empty. Yep. If you want life, you need oxen. If you have oxen, you're going to have a bunch of crap in your stables. So get some shovels. Yep. It's bottom line. Yep. Right? No life, no crap. No yep. crap, no life. I'm a hedonist. I want life. Yes. There's a lot of crap in my life, but there's a lot of joy, a yep. lot of peace. <laughs> and good soil, Aaron, has this supernatural a reality. You know, I was an econ major and I, and I appreciate numbers and economics and in God's economy beats the S and P 500 over any decade in any century. He says 30, 60, hundred fold. Yeah. What investment in the markets are you getting a hundred X on consistently? Yeah. And so to tie it back to the ancient stones, one of them that I just kind of pull the rug out on is there are no shortcuts. And mm-hmm. Jesus is the one that said it himself. Us men, we all want a shortcut. We all want something quick, easy, and cheap. But no shortcuts exist to a rich, robust life in God and his kingdom. And so that soil is a picture. And it would be a prayer I would offer to this community to pause and to say, God, show me my heart. Show me the landscape of my heart. And show me what percentages, what parts of my soul are hardened? Mm-hmm. What parts of my soul are shallow? What parts of my soul are cluttered? And what parts of my soul have become good soil? Where there can be a, a, an ROI in kingdom economics that beats any shortcut that this world can offer. So the only shortcut is the slow and steady path and process of becoming a wholehearted man that God can entrust the care of his kingdom. And to do that exercise, to get really curious of today in my life, God, show me my soil. Let me see the terrain and help me understand what my frontier is in my masculine initiation so that more and more of me can become good soil where the generosity of God sowing seed can find soil to be established, grow deep roots, and produce a, a supernatural harvest. Yeah, that's good. And I think you, you say it multiple times in the book, too, you living in the present, living in the day, but measured by the decade. 
Oh, it's huge. I love that. It gives you the right perspective for how God does things. Yeah. And it changes our orientation because like in the last three or four days, like some major things have gone sideways in my parenting, Hmm. some major issues with my wife, like lots of tears. And if I'm living in the schizophrenic posture of the market, it's up, it's down, it's up and down. Right. It's just exhausting. Yeah. But when I know, you know, just like Warren Buffett says, like you want to, you want to invest in your retirement, S and P 500 index fund, no fees in general over 50 years, it'll do you pretty well. Right. <laughs> you don't have to read the headlines. Just put your money in, forget about it in general. Right. Yeah. I'm not an advisor. I'm not saying do it. <laughs> but the point being, it's the same with life, you know, yeah. train a child in a way she, they will, should go and they won't depart from it over time. There are guidelines mm-hmm. that have the most opportunity to produce life. And if we live in the day and measure in the decade, it frees our hearts and increases our capacity to be present and to have joy. Yeah, that's so good. We're going to be respectful of your time here. Um, you know, as we kind of wrap up, just leave us with this two things. What challenge would you leave with our dad in the trenches? And then uh, want to hear just how can our listeners connect with you? You know, podcast, social, book, all of that. Yeah. Um, so I'm stepping into your world because it's my world too. I'm in the trenches, yes. right? And, and, and a moment ago, it was young marriage, young career, young wife. Now it's teenagers and decades into marriage, but it's always frontier. It's always frontier. And I think, Aaron, if there's one piece I would leave, what's on my heart today is some young bucks were asking Dallas Willard, like, what do you, what, what do, you do on an ordinary day to keep your life in God? And Dallas in his sage-esque Yoda way was very slow <laughs> to respond. And he said, you have to be very careful with that question because there are no ordinary days. Hmm. Like just that was enough. I was like, thank you. Thank you for someone saying like Wednesday is an insane day, right? right? There's no ordinary days. He went on to say, what is it that I can do every day that's available to me on any day? Hmm. And, And what I learned is one thing that's available to me every day is when I am in bed and I wake up, before I get out of bed, before I take a leak, what I do every day (laughs) is I pause and I announce to my soul, God, you are my father and I'm your son. And so then I turn my heart to God and I say, God, I invite you to be my father today. (laughs) Whatever I face when I get out of this bed, I'm a son, you're my dad, and I ask you to be my father. And I began that, Aaron, over a decade ago, Hmm. 13 years ago. It's changed everything to forsake the it's up to me and the orphan, I'm behind and it's on me and in the pressure and to say, I live in a God bathed the world, a father centered world, a father initiated world. God is the great initiator. And my work is to respond to God, his intentions for my life and his intentions for my kids. And I would invite our listeners, if you do that one thing, it'll change everything. 
And yeah, we're just getting started. I mean, this is the tip <laughs> of the iceberg. It's all prologue. And <laughs> listeners out there, if, they're, if you're intrigued and you feel like the spirit's saying, I'm resonating, you know, there, there's more here I need to chase. I've been offering podcasts for over six years and blogs and Becoming a King, I offered as a way into this message that we're unpacking today. Yeah. There's a video and a study guide and all of that and more is available at becomingaking.com. Okay, fantastic. Well, Morgan, just as we ready to wrap up, would you, uh, would you take a moment and just pray for us? Pray it for our listeners. my honor. I would <laughs> love it. I'm glad that you asked. Father and Spirit and Jesus, we pause in our life on this day. God, we, we get inundated with content and the world is moving faster and further it's more and more faster and faster and so god father to honor you i just want to pause and invite you holy spirit as our counselor and as our teacher and as our great kind guide would you come and shed your light for our listeners what do you want to show us today before we race off to the next thing? God, Psalm 2 says that it's our birthday and you have a present for us. And so ask me for what you want. And I feel spirit to take a risk to invite our friends listening near and far to ask you for a gift. What is the gift that you're bringing for my heart what do you want to say? What do you want to show me? What do you want to provide? What do you want to illuminate? What do you want me to remember? What gift do you have for me as your son or daughter today? God, I pray that you would come with all your power, that the power that raised Jesus Christ of Nazareth from the grave and ascended into the heavens, that same power is given to us. God, I pray that you would empower us to do the work, to get curious about our stories, to ask you, what is our frontier? How would I become? Just 1%, one degree, move towards the orientation where I can become the kind of man that my children could one day become. What is in the way and what is next to becoming the kind of son, the kind of man, the kind of king in whom you are glad to entrust the care of your kingdom, God? You have our yes. We give you permission. We give you access. And we say, more of you, God, come into more of me. I pray these things in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
Morgan, man, thanks so much for joining us here. This has been awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's great to be with you. You have a light in your eyes, Aaron, and your listeners are in good hands with you. Oh. And that's rare. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's a joy for sure. Yeah. Dads, friends, thanks so much. And we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. For more content and resources, check out the website at dadinthetrenches.com or on social media at Dad in the Trenches. And be sure and click on subscribe to stay up to date with new podcasts. Walk out the heroic fatherhood you were called to live.